Greg Manick. I'm John Gaskins. Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Craig, what does that music mean? Oh, you know when you hear Rush, you know it's someone who's had more contact than Bill Lambeer did with Michael Jordan. He is with the Argus leader. He's our good friend, Stu Whitney. Hey! Stu! Right, gentlemen, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing fine. Uh, it's uh, It's been an interesting follow on Twitter for the Detroit native and Pistons fan, Stu Whitney, who was uh, formidable college years at the time. The bad boys were crashing the Celtics and Lakers parties and uh, dethroning those kings and then um, pestering the Chicago Bulls for a couple of years before the Bulls finally got them. Um, so... I'll, I'll just give the floor to you for a second um, for those missing you at Stu Whitney on Twitter and how you feel those bad boy Pistons were portrayed on Sunday night in this last dance documentary. Well, I know it was going to be bad because this is essentially a Michael Jordan sanctioned documentary. I mean, he had to sign off on it. Uh, it's based around a camera crew that uh, he gave access to and, and then it's you know, one of the best parts about it is this exclusive interview with, with Michael Jordan. Uh, so it's going to be from a Jordan perspective. Jordan always hated the bad boys, always hated Isaiah Thomas. I relish the bad boys' reputation as a team that's going to beat you down and is going to uh, just wear you down with physical toughness, hard fouls, etc. But... I think some people that maybe were not around back then or are not maybe as basketball literate as the two of you and myself think that that's how the Pistons won games, that they never made a basket on the offensive end. In fact, if you look at that, go back and watch that episode, I don't recall seeing an actual offensive score from the Detroit Pistons in all the, on all the highlights they showed. And I, I just think that that is really downgrading. You don't win – consecutive NBA championships and probably should have been three consecutive because they got screwed by the Lakers uh, or by the refs in, in game seven and 88, a phantom foul on Jabbar, on Jabbar's basket. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking four Hall of Famers, a Hall of Fame backcourt. Joe Dumars is not even mentioned. He's a Hall of Famer. Isaiah, top five point guard of all time. Uh, Rodman was a Hall of Famer. Adrian Dantley was a Hall of Famer. Uh, that's, that's the main thing that bothered me is that the, the basketball skill level and the, the place in history of this team was completely overshadowed by the bullying nature and what, what I agree was a mistake not to shake hands at the end of uh, that series with the Bulls. It was intriguing, though, the way that the Pistons believed what they needed to do to stop the greatest player in the NBA, Michael Jordan, and how rough it was. Um, I remember that back then, but I thought it was intriguing. The the best player in the world at that time, they felt they they had to demolish him every time he came to the paint. Yeah, I mean, they called it the Jordan Rules. A uh, book was written about it. Um, you know, I don't think it was only I – mean, the, the, it's not like the only stipulation of the Jordan Rules was to hit Jordan as hard as you can possibly hit him. It had to do with getting you know a man and a half on him, making sure he doesn't get ahead of steam going to the basket. It had to do with defensive adjustments. And, yeah, as you saw in the documentary, uh, 
you know, if if he did get in the air and if he was going to the rim, then uh, give him what we used to call a playoff foul, where whereas he's got to make the free throws, he's going to end up on the deck, and then he's got to make the free throw. That's that used to be called good basketball. Uh, now it's uh, now it's a little different mentality with some of these guys. Uh, it, it's interesting. And full disclosure, I hated the Pistons because I did grow up a Bulls fan, and they got flogged around by Detroit. I will agree with you that it wasn't just simply beating e- teams up and getting in their head, but it, that it was a big way that the Pistons did things because we saw the Lakers and the Celtics in the 80s before that when they were facing off in the finals a few times. The Kurt Rambis clotheslining Kevin McHale. I mean, that was the nature of the sport, but the Pistons eventually emerged as the team that did it the best and got in teams' heads. We saw Horace Grant. And that was portrayed well in the documentary. They got in Horace Grant's head. They got in my head as a fan. You couldn't get past the Pistons, but I agree with you, Stu. They were loaded with skill, and Thomas was hes one of the best NBA guards of all time. Uh, but it, but then you can you converse that with what Craig just mentioned is it felt like that's the only way you could beat Jordan was to hammer him uh, if he got near the bucket and it worked for a while until it didn't and and you said well that was basketball then what would you say to people who who do say that that really isn't basketball that's not what basketball should be it should be a more beautiful graceful athletic game not not pinned on. Uh, physicality the way it was for not just the Pistons, but the you know the Lakers and the Celtics and a lot of the NBA at that time, and especially in the 90s. Well, again, I would say that that's not all the Pistons did. I mean, uh, you're talking, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not talking about undercutting a guy. I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not talking about things that are going to send a person's body out of control to the floor, which is how injuries happen. I'm talking about confrontations at the rim. I'm talking about making him make free throws. And uh, a lot of the extracurricular stuff you would never see today. I mean, Robert Parrish flat-out punched Lambert in the face at Boston Garden uh, during that 87 series, I believe it was, and, and didn't even get ejected from the game. I mean, there were punches thrown, and they were just kind of resume action moments later. Uh, obviously, you're not going to see that these days. I think the game has evolved to a certain Degree for the better, uh, where players, player safety and fan safety after the malice at the palace when Ron Artest yeah. went basically up into the crowd. So uh, it's a different world. But one thing you did see was the passing of the torch of the Celtics or the team. You know they they owned the East. Detroit had to pay their dues, got knocked down a couple times, and then once they got past the Celtics, then it was their stage, and then Chicago. Had to take, had to go to the school of hard knocks, and uh, sort of wait their turn, and then and then they were on the throne. Now, if you lose in a situation like that, you just get your get your buddies together and form a super team and, and try to find yeah. a, kind of a, a way to circumvent yeah. that passing of the torch. Yeah. One other quick thing on the Pistons: if you watch some of those series with the Lakers, you talked about the beauty of the game and the flow of the game. Isaiah, everyone should go back and watch the uh, the quarter that Isaiah had playing on a near broken ankle, a severely sprained ankle, when he scored like twenty points, twenty three points, whatever it was, in one quarter against the Lakers. Also, look at Lambeer. I think was ahead of his time a little bit in terms of being a stretch five coming out. The, the amount of three pointers that he was able to hit that was a big part of the Pistons' offense was Lambeer being able to step out and hit threes which is a little bit uh, kind of a precursor to what we see today with, with big guys having to be, be able to have that sort of range. 
Stu, we don't have a lot of time left here. Have, have, did your views of Isaiah Thomas, because I know you loved him as a Piston, did your views on Isaiah Thomas change when he what he did to the Sioux Falls Sky Force and the CBA? I, I think I've had to separate him as a player and what he did at, after uh, his playing career was over, Craig, because, uh, I mean, it was weird being a tr- kid from Detroit and, and loving the Pistons and then just happened to be working in Sioux Falls, covering the Sky Force. I remember interviewing Isaiah when he came here to sort of, they had a press conference talking about him taking over the, the CBA. And uh, so it was a weird juxtaposition. But I, if you go back and read some of my columns when things started to go bad, I was very, very outspoken that he was kind of in over his head from a managerial level. I did point out on Twitter today that he had a vision, which you would all also see if you went back to see some of that coverage back then, of a single affiliate system for the CBA and NBA, where each NBA team would have one, essentially a farm team, where they could draw, uh, they could develop talent, and they could rehab players with injuries, similar to what baseball does with AAA. And that's what you see now. So mm. he was ahead of his time in that regard. But in terms of just running the day-to-day operations, he was terrible at it. And he was terrible at, you know, when he ran the Knicks, he, he, uh, he just really struggled to kind of find his way at that managerial level and, and probably at the coaching level as well. But you could say the same thing with Jordan. I mean, Jordan is yeah. a front office guy, owner slash team builder has really, has really struggled in that regard. Hey, uh, real quick, like 10 seconds. Why do you agree it was Bush league or that they, they should have shake, shake, shaked hands with the bulls? Why they should have. Yeah. I just think it's, first of all, look at, look at all the misery that happened because they didn't do it. I mean, maybe not even making the dream team for Isaiah, and, and we're still talking about it all these years later. It just doesn't look good. I mean, from a, a very basic level. And I've been in situations like that where I'm about as competitive as they come, and I, I found that just looking the guy in the eye just for a brief moment, taking his hand and then moving on, I think you find some self, self-satisfaction from that. Cool. Uh, and I think they regret not, not doing it. Stu, thank you for your time. Thanks, Appreciate Stu. it. Appreciate it, guys. Stu Whitney, Argus leader, and uh, the Sioux Falls Stampede have hired a new head coach and general manager. His name is Marty Murray. We'll learn why they hired Marty from their owner and general manager. Their owner, their managing owner, Brian Schoenborn, next on Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN.com.